the card is awakening, energetic upgrades, a new way of being, integration. Mm. I'm going to read it. You are going through a period of awakening. Things are changing within you at many levels. You are starting to remember ancient truths and discovering more and more about who you are and why you incarnated. You may, you may find that you are experiencing past life flashbacks, seeing the invisible thread that is woven through all of life, or even feeling kundalini shakti rise through your body from the base of your spine. The most important thing for this time is not to overthink it and to, st and to stay grounded. Share your experiences with like soul people while you consciously integrate them. Journal and pay attention to your dreams. You are remembering your soul and your soul gifts are emerging. During this time of transition and awakening, you may be called to devote yourself to being of service. There are ideas, truths, concepts, books and creations waiting to be birthed into this world. Stay open to receiving them. Pulling this card may be a sign that you are here to birth one of these creations into the world. Or perhaps you are being called to make a shift in your life in order to be of service. Don't think too much about it. Instead, repeat the following work, work your light activation. I surrender to my awakening. I allow the Shakti energy to rise from the base of my spine. I open myself up to the universe using me in a way that delights my mind, body and spirit. It's funny, I think about that in terms of... Um like embracing yourself, like coming back to yourself type thing, like bringing, unifying yourself, finding that self-unification. Mm. And and it's almost like coming closer to your nature. I saw a thing the other day. Um, oh, I can't remember. It was, it was a meme. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like the the like the enlightenment sought to control nature. It was like ancients tried to understand nature you know, the moderns try to control nature and now the postmoderns are trying to destroy nature, <laughs> something like that. And because I'm reading Nietzsche at the moment, it's really interesting, like hearing him, reading his perspective, like view on like weakness and on weak people and how the weak people set themselves up as antithetical to the kind of stronger people. Mm. And so like strong people, they're in themselves, they, they have their characteristics or traits that they, they act on you know, because they're, they're compelled to because they are strong. They are that, you know, and that's a threat to weaker people who basically are like lambs, you know, to the to the strong people. Yeah, right. And so the lambs, you know, feel constantly threatened because they can't, they can't protect themselves because they're well, weaker. And so, you know, now that we're basically in a society run by weak people and that type of herd, herd instinct... It's no wonder now that with postmodernism we're looking to destroy nature because because mm. if we're to actually come back to nature or to reintegrate us and reunify our, ourselves as a as a human species, then we're going to embrace those elements that we've come currently to view as dark, as bad, as evil, and we'll we'll embrace those instead and actually kind of transcend the weakness and strengthen overall, yeah. which is a threat to people who don't want that who yeah. don't have those strong characteristics those strong traits um or don't want it and so they'll look to destroy nature instead of embrace it because by coming back to nature it's an inherent threat to their existence it's yeah it's just interesting i'm not saying that that's the way that it is or anything like that i'm just it's just a curious perspective to um what ha to have. 
What did that have to do with the awakening? Part oh, just because it was like coming back to coming back to you. Yeah, right. Just, and then I was just thinking about because we've had plenty of conversations, obviously, over the last couple of days. Yeah. Um, especially with what we're reading, you're reading Jung at the moment too, uh-huh. which is really interesting, and it's I think it's just complementing really nicely your. Um, like astrology, your tarot, all that sort of yeah, stuff, because Jung's very like sim- symbolic. symbolic. Yeah. Um, a fascinating man. Very, very interesting. Because I've just got a, a Jung for beginners, so it was just to kind of get me <clears throat> acquainted with very like him very simply in on the basic level. And it is very interesting. Like I still don't really hold back. Like you still have to kind of think and really like what, what, but um, it last night especially was really interesting what um what i found out about light and shadow how when we are light when we are which means like good when we are good um we cast a longer a longer and darker shadow which in you know which is dangerous because the shadow is still a part of us the shadow aspect of us is still very important we are both yin and yang. We're both light and dark. And we need to embrace our shadow, that part of us that we try to run away from. And the more I've been integrating it, because I've been very focused on kind of transcending my old ways of that don't serve me, that really keep me small, that keep me limited, that haunt me, that keep, you weak. keep me weak. And I've sat with them. And I've journaled with them and I've pulled cards and I've gone to the Akashic Records and I've meditated and I see them for what they are and I sit with it. What is it that you need from me? How can I bring this to the surface and how can I integrate this? And it has been incredibly helpful and has made me stronger and I know myself more by doing that. And um, it was very interesting what he was saying about the... Like um, Jesus. Oh, Christians, close your ears. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because I, I, I didn't. Uh, this is new for me, but I'm like, it makes sense. And I don't know. I probably won't be able to do it justice. So you might have to help me here. But what Jung, what Jung put forth was that Jesus was a symbol of like the original man. Whole man. Whole. Man, yeah, yeah, man in his man, in his man. unified wholeness. In his unified wholeness. The, the perfection of man. Which is light and dark, good and bad. Not good, light, good not only light. Not only light. He wasn't just pure light and that's it. He, he, because the reason why he stood out was because he was whole. He embraced both light and dark. He embraced the, the part of him that made him stronger, that darkness that actually made him stronger. But we don't hear about that anymore. And Jung said that modern modern Christianity has actually taken away the shadow. The church in particular. The church in particular has taken away, separated, separated him into two, like taken away pretty much the shadow side of him and he was just, and just like portrays him as this light yeah. and that's it. And then the, the idea of Jesus is, is only purely attached to the light and to what is deemed by the church to be the good, good. and virtuous qualities. Yeah. And, the and then the, whatever dark, the shadow is has been entirely ignored, but given its own name. Evil. And, and in, well, Christian, well, in Christian dogma, what's evil personified as? What, Satan? Satan, yeah. yeah. So it's like that part that, that we don't want to acknowledge. Like, no, 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 it's bad, bad, bad. Don't know. No, Satan out, Satan out, demon out, demon out. But is it that? 
you know, I've been, I've been doing that. I remember my experience a few weeks ago with the devil and the demons. And the thing is what I want to do, I was saying, you know, demon, obviously clearing the energy, but what really did clear it was me facing it and standing before it and having a conversation with it and saying, I, I see you for what you are. I see you exactly as you, for what you are. And that was me. It's just a reflection of me. It was a part of me that I needed to face that came forward as I was, you know, because I was being so light. And that's why when we think that we get, we're getting attacked by the darkness, when we're so good and the evil comes in, it's like, yeah, because it makes you stronger. <laughs> it makes you significantly more stronger when you're challenged. When, when something comes in and tests you, you can't just be light. Isn't it funny how, so when you distinguish between the light and the dark and you separate them entirely and you make one entirely virtuous and the ideal and the other one, the evil, the thing to be avoided, right? Avoid, because yeah. you've Because they're both actually two halves of the same whole, they both, in a, in a sense, like the yin and yang, kind of rely on each other. They balance each other and the perfect or the whole person is is someone who has that balance of the light and dark embraces the light and dark elements of their nature or the shadow Shadow. right and the light Mm. and so when you completely separate them and you put your sole focus your introspective focus on the what you would deem to be your more virtuous elements then the the darkness your shadow side which you must inherently then ignore in order to do so or suppress basically gets to fester and stagnate and putrefy and become a monster and it's like when you ignore your shadow side you, you this this enormous monster then basically is is generated you you feed a monster when you ignore it yeah and then so you know you think about like elephants that are in the room it's like the longer things go on go on unsaid how much bigger does the elephant (laughs) become right and it's like that with yourself yeah and yeah like you said it's like there was a pieces of yourself that you had to reconcile that you had to come to terms with that were like a demon to you were like the devil to you yeah they were your pieces that you had to actually reintegrate and shed your own light on and bring to balance yeah and we always, like, I could have totally run away from it. I could have, like, but I didn't. I stood there. I stood my ground and I I conversed with it. I spoke to it. I made sure that I acknowledged it and it knew that I acknowledged it and it knew that I could see it and it didn't like it. But it also did, like, that's part of me. So it's like you have to, I felt better. I felt better when I did that. Because I actually got significantly stronger. Mm. I can now stand in my power. I can. I feel more empowered. I did feel more empowered when I did that. And I stood there and I took it and I faced it. And I, I gave it back. I like, in, uh, what do you call it? Interacted with it. So it was uh, reading that last night really brought to light a few of, of those things that it's like, yeah, we are always running from evil. We're always calling things evil. And then it's like, what do you do with that? What, how, 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 what do you do with the evil? How are you supposed is- to become a bigger person, like a better person when you're literally constantly running from or at least ignoring well, or it. avoiding half of your nature? I was doing that. Like I, I was I was ignoring a lot of the dark stuff because it's, it's evil. I was taught that it was evil. You know, the church tells you evil is evil. Don't, you know, keep it out, demon out. You know, it's, it's that kind of energy being like, no, 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 don't, don't. They, they will just ignore it, put you back to it. But it's like when you do that, you actually cast a longer shadow behind you and it, it will come back to haunt you. It will always be there. You actually create the, the more you ignore it, the longer it gets and the deeper it gets. 
and you know you're shining all this light but behind you you got you got that shadow to deal with that's part of you so for Nietzsche it's funny so so he's got numerous I think kind of or different because I'm reading the, on the genealogy of morals and he's got like the the initial morality which is like good and bad which yeah. is not necessary it's not like what we deem to be good and evil now but good and bad being like you've got a noble group of people like a noble class of, of human right. right so and i think i think the nazis bastardized a lot of nietzsche theory um with their like you know um their search or their their desire to to manufacture the aryan race or to remanufacture it mm. um but anyway nietzsche said so when you've got the strong people you've got a strong cast of people then basically that strength, because they're strong people, they exhibit strength. They are strong. They're not choosing strength. They are strength. Mm. And like all those qualities in themselves, they kind of embrace and they harness and they allow them to exhibit those qualities because it's, it's their nature. So it's like, it's not like there's something behind their nature, which they're making a choice as to whether or not they can act on those elements. That is their nature. They are that, mm. right? So it's like, they are strong people. And so their will, their strength, they, in a sense, get to determine that those things that are of their nature are good because they're determining. That's where goodness comes from for these noble, you know, strong people is basically in them and in their will is good. And then what is bad is basically what is the kind of, I guess, the opposite, not necessarily the opposite, but what is embodied in in the kind of more weaker-willed people, those who don't have those same qualities, the more vulgar people, the um, yeah, just just the kind of weaker people in general. That's bad. Yeah. So he kind of had that good and bad, which originated out of the distinction between strong and weak people. Mm. But then the morality, which is the more modern, the more modern morality, because it's won over, because the weak people ultimately won out over the strong people. And I guess you probably recognise that in our. Um, antithesis to the idea of barbarism you know we view ourselves as this cultured civilized society and we want out over barber um uh, barbaric. barbaric peoples right but the barbaric peoples were the kind of strong ones right and so the the weak people are more cunning because they have to be more cunning in order to not be you know not to die out type of thing and that right? kind of makes them more of a shadow well they kind of have to well they kind of are in, yeah. in a sense right so he, he talked predominantly about the priestly class um and the religious the religious sort of sects of humanity right who basically are weaker by nature right and so i mean if for, for nature uh, anyway he's got his thing like the will to power is that we've all got like like oh God, I can't I can't wrap my head around all of it, but it's like we're all sort of striving or trying to battle for power. Like there's different wills or parts of our nature that are all trying to win out over each other. Yeah. And I guess that it manifests itself or embodies itself in mankind as a whole too, right? So it's like you've got the different, the strong and the weak, but it's like they're both trying to strive to be authoritative or to be powerful. But you've got there's a difference between strong power and weak power, and because strong is you know stronger than weak. Weaker cannot, you know, meet them physically front on, like in, like in a, in a war or a warrior type yeah, sense. Right. So the noble or the, the strong get to be as warriors type thing, mm. but the weak can't. So how does the weak thrive? Well, they have to be more cunning and more sly. Yeah. And so what they kind of did was actually invert the value structure or the value system of the strong and turn it, turn it on its head so that then they could actually create what was like nobility or virtue out of those weaker elements of human nature and then kind of isolate those things as things that people should strive for. And so, um, 
what that kind of did, but that kind of caused this sort of introspective thing and that cleaved in the human sort of spirit, in the human, I don't know, in human nature, the, the dichotomy between good and evil. So once you kind of draw that introspection, he said, I can't remember exactly what the line was, but it was something like when the, the kind of priests or the religious class, um, they kind of deepened the human soul. Yeah. And in doing so, they kind of established that new good and evil morality, yeah, kind right. of which is embodied by like Jesus and Satan. Yeah. And so what that did was then the, it enabled that the weaker people then to hold up as virtuous all the things that was antithetical to the stronger people. So where the strong people were like just basically about willing the good, willing, you know, exerting their own will, doing their own thing, like allowing their nature to play itself out according to basically their, their will, you know, the weaker people don't have the ability to do that. So they're like the weaker people are the suffering, you know, the more poverty stricken, those that are that are meeker, they're milder, they forgive, they're compassionate, they're, you know, that all the basically those things that are held up as virtues in today's society were heralded by this by the weaker class um, because I guess it enabled them to then, you know, thrive a little bit better mm. to then that actually was able to spread throughout a, a greater group of people, which then was able to overcome and... Um, it, it, how did he put it? It's it's so interesting. Um, I don't mean this to turn into an entire synopsis or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but what it, it was something like it's born of a vengefulness, like of a hate, a hate for the stronger, for the the, yeah, the stronger right, group okay. of people, right? So these these weaker people have this natural sort of hatred, this this vengeful, yeah. you know, this desire to inflict revenge upon the stronger people as a lamb might want to inflict revenge on a, on a bird of prey for constantly hunting it, right? Yeah, okay. Um, so uh, that then, out of that sort of hatred, was then born the kind of new value inversion, which is embodied in Jesus as being love, as being pure love, as being like this this whole, you know, which Perfect. which wasn't like a remedy to that hatred. It was born of that hatred. So then that was able to kind of spread and permeate throughout the greater group of people then, the weaker kind of group of people to, to you know, I, I guess in a sense, turn them, turn the value structure on its head, give us this split between good and evil and um, you know, I guess in time overcome the kind of strong just by probably what attrition, just sheer weight of numbers. Yeah. Um, I probably can't recall exactly every, every element no. of it, but it's just really interesting. And then we're left with this, society this democratic society in which everyone is equal and Nietzsche was very opposed egalitarianism because it promotes the what is mediocre in in man to the forefront as opposed to the what is the best capability of man the the best the best yeah the the best of us are kind of squished right like tall poppy syndrome we have this as soon as someone gets a bit too tall we chop them you know, we, we, you know, you put your head on the chopping block and someone's going to be there to cut, cut it how off. Do, right? How do we have leaders in that kind of society? Well, for, for Nietzsche, right? Um, because we have because there's a, there's a difference between the, the leaders and the obedient, right? The, the leaders and the led. And so even those that are leaders in today's society are still being obedient to some higher thing as opposed to them acting upon them being themselves being actual, the higher will right. and exerting their will. They, they are actually being obedient to a, a will. I guess that's we've higher seen than that. them, like a constitution, for example, okay. like yep. a, like okay. the police are acting upon the law, mm-hmm. like they're they're still yes, they're, they're, although they're exhibiting a kind of leadership over a more obedient group, which is like society, mm. um, they're actually still themselves 
obedient to um, to something bigger than themselves, mm. you know, or if they are leading, um, they have to kind of deceive themselves into thinking that they are leading when in fact they're actually still being obedient, being obedient to something bigger. I guess we've seen a lot of that over the last two and a little bit years. It's just really fascinating. And then, and then partnering sort of what I'm reading here with you, with what you're reading with Jung, it's like, I don't know if Jung was a, was you know he followed much of Nietzsche's thought or, or anything like that I haven't heard anything yet it seems very it's, it's a very it's a very it's like literally it's called um uh Jung for beginners well there was yeah <laughs> it's a He's pretty, pretty picture book uh well I know Freud it's was pretty, influenced. it's actually very cool I'm pretty Freud I'm pretty sure was was influenced by Nietzsche apparently civilization and its discontents like it actually uh, borrows a lot of Nietzsche's um I think it was his how he traced the basically the history of morality. I think that fundamental framework mm-hmm. is what Freud used in his Civilization of Discontents. I'm pretty sure. Well, Jung and Freud both and, worked and, together. And Jung was wasn't he Freud's student? disciple, like his student? Yeah. I'm pretty and then sure. They had a Freud, so the, 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 yeah, yeah, there yeah, would have so been an influence there. Had, there had to have been an influence. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, um, Jung, as I understand it, um, he had his own very. He had his own experience, personal experiences. He had a near-death experience to bring him closer to spirituality, and then that's when he discovered symbolism, and, like more symbol, like spiritual symbolism, and that's kind of opened up that kind of can of worms for him, and that's why he differentiates. Because is, is Freud a bit more empirical than than Jung? So, Jung yeah. seems he's a lot more spiritual, and Freud seems a lot more material. I think that I could be entirely. And, oh, wrong we now. could be wrong. I could be wrong too. I think that's why they separated. I think that's why Jung moved away from Freud because they had a disagreement or something. Oh, I could be wrong. I don't want to say anything too much, but I think that's why because um, Jung wanted to explore a little like deeper and he wanted to go into that um, the spiritual stuff rather than the Jungian psychology, it. like like all dream interpretations. That all came from Jung, right? Yeah. That was rooted in Jung. I mean, Freud had his yeah. own dream interpretations and stuff too. He did, no, but most of it was obviously. But it's, it seems like what we would kind of mock in today's society is like new age esoteric nonsense seems to be a lot of it actually seems to be rooted in Jungian type psychology well in that book it actually said that the age of Pisces where Jesus began was the new age so that all of this that we're actually living we are living in a new age and that's that's just what it is from when the birth of Jesus so well we're we're at the end of that age it's not a new age anymore no we're 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 coming coming into into the next the next age into the next age of Aquarius, but no one really knows. I think yeah, you can only see know in hindsight exactly when the shift was. That's like the same with um, generations. Yeah. So it's it's actually difficult to determine in in the in the when you're in it mm. where the actual difference between the generations is. Yeah. So it's only sort of through hindsight and retrospection yeah, that you can actually de- de- delineate between different generations like like boomers gen x gen gen y or millennials i think gen y millennials are the same thing yeah um and then gen z is and then after i can't keep up with with that (laughs) yeah but but you can't like because we're in it like gen x for example when i was reading the fourth turning because that talks a lot it's generational theory basically and i was talking it was saying that Gen X actually was... They didn't actually even realize that there was a Gen X. Yeah. That there okay. was a Generation X yeah. until like they, I guess, were able to look back and see the grunge and like mm. the... It, they just had a very different value system to yeah. the boomers before them. I guess that's the only way you can really um, know something. It's like kind of like science. Like you have to kind of work, like do something and see what the result is. So, it's like you see at the end. It's kind of like um, what we... I mean, this podcast, we talk about what happened yesterday. 
you know, we reflect on the day before because that's like that's how we're going to be clear in where we're, where we're, where we're at. And even when we're discussing, we're having a conversation, we're in it, and we'll say we're in it. I'm not sure what this is going to lead to, and um, but we'll see. But yesterday, this is what came to, and this is we can now understand that yesterday we had a really cool day yesterday very inspiring and creative day i just want to say quickly just to finish on i think that's why i went on my my niche spiel nature right. spiel um uh, is it like when you said you had to kind of reconcile with your own demon right yeah that was neither it was neither good nor evil in that kind of moment it just was it was like it a piece of you was. coming back to who you were yeah it was just like you were just a, you were just you yeah in that and it was not a, it wasn't a negative or a positive experience no, it was just it was, was it was an experience was that just was right it was necessary and when something is just like that then it's it is beyond kind of morality in a yeah. sense and that's like that funny that unification when you're striving towards that unification of self you start to you realize that negative experience are not evil people that are that 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 challenge you that test you are not evil Mm-mm. evil doesn't exist as such when you're kind of operating out of that the point is my my grand unification or my 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 individuation my realization of self yeah. of who i am what i am and that striving towards becoming the the fullest version of you, the strongest version of yourself in which you're able to kind of exert yourself and you become the creator of your own reality type thing, um, which requires a, a lot of a lot of that self-work and self-development. But that process is, is not a process and that, that self is not something that is good nor bad. It's something that is. It just is. It's and the it's process. Be, it's actually beyond morality. And it's like, it's only once you actually start to realize that that the things that we call evil are not evil they're they're parts of you they're elements of you that are trying to be reconciled then you you realize that morality itself is actually not something that is i think in the the grand scheme of things uh, actually a a, a purely necessary element you know we all know what doesn't feel good but we shouldn't avoid the things that don't feel good those are the things that are helping you to become more of yourself Mm. And so that's what really, I mean, Nietzsche's book, Beyond Good and Evil, you know, the whole point for him was not to, um, was not to lay Separate out a whole them. new morality as such. Yeah. It was to question the validity or the value of morality. It's fascinating. And morality being like a value structure, a value system. The question is, what is the value of the value system? And then when you sort of put it in that sense of, in that kind of Jungian interpretation of like the man becoming more whole about mm. the two halves, you know, being one then you start to realize that when both halves are one, morality itself is the distinction between different values and what's more what's more virtuous and what's a vice, then that it becomes irrelevant. And that's what... Um, who was that guy we were talking about yesterday? Um, the one that sold his soul to... Uh, Faust. That's Faust. From, how do you pronounce... Is it, Faust. It's like goth, but it's huh? Gert. Gert G- goth. goth go I don't know how to... I don't know. <laughs> I'm not goth, German. I don't know. Um, but... Faust, uh, it said in the book that he want he literally sold his soul to understand that he wanted to separate. He wanted to get overcome our um, the uh, the duality in our life. He wanted to separate good and evil. He wanted to separate light and dark. He wanted to separate yin and yang, like to actually find the different, like to kind of break them apart. But he couldn't do that, and he became what he did. So it's like. It's really interesting. It's like you, you can't separate them. You only become more of like a shadow for yourself, really, to yourself and others. If you blend them together, then that's what makes you whole because that's we and live that's, in a world of duality, light and dark, sun up, sun down, night and day. 
good, bad, and all like all of what's necessary. And was did we talk about this or did I read it in the book? Um, we've probably spoken about this anyway. That God, but they're would, almost like false distinctions, though. Like they're observations, they're interpretations observations, yeah. of things as separate. they are. They're not separate. They're not separate. They're intrinsically they, linked, to, right? The shadow doesn't exist unless there's a light hitting something that can cast a shadow. Exactly. So it's like they're, they're, and we can't see light without shadow. They're like language interpretations of things. Mm. So we kind of get lost in that world of language of like of there being a, a, a dichotomy or, or an antithetical yeah. things, right? Of there being opposites. Yeah. It's like yes, there is opposites, but it's like they're not they're not the good or bad. Like and then just and then because we usually then label opposites as one being good or desirable and one being bad or you know yeah. the thing to be avoided mm. or you know yelled at. But it's like they're both they're both natural parts of the same thing. But God wouldn't have created like. I think was it? Did we talk about this, or was it in the book? He said, um, "Like we always think that, oh, how could God create evil and and do this to us and all of this?" And it's like, well, we need because we it's not evil. It's not evil. Suffering it's, it's isn't not, evil. It's not bad. It's not like it's not like it is, but it's not like we only label it that. It just is. We we live in a world and a and a plane and and a, a life of duality. That's the whole point to actually understand that we live in that and how can we embrace it? No, I think the point's bigger than that. I think the point is not that there is a duality. There isn't a duality. We, no, per- that's we right. perceive Sorry, yes. or interpret a duality. It just is. Yeah. We have labels. We label it because we need to label it something and so that we know what's this and what's that and, you know, so we can kind of navigate. Um, but yes, yes, you're absolutely right. It's like it's not good or bad. It's not this or that. It's we, it is. It all is. We are. We are here and when that's that oneness, that wholeness. And when you embrace the two, you or the, the two elements of you, you become whole and you become one. And then that is what, you know, Jesus represents. He represents the two. And, you know, we don't know that in modern we don't we don't know that now. We have to think about it, we have to figure it out. But yeah, you can see now how oops, the spiritual um, community is rising. Faith is rising. The the bringing together of the shadow and the light is actually it, it's here. Like how many like everyone that I follow now, most people are like, you need a face. Like if you're getting triggered, it's something within you. It's not that other person. The other person is not doing it to you. If you are feeling angry, if you're feeling this, know what it is. Go within. It is within you. So to me, it's this is this is why this to me this is why Nietzsche talked about the weak or the the modern society being a weak, mediocre society because. Well, when you only allow half of yourself to be expressed or, or fully actually fleshed, and we don't even do a very good job of fleshing it out because the virtues, the virtues that we hold up, the, the supposed, you know, quote unquote, light side of ourselves that we, we love, we don't even allow ourselves to fully explore no. because we can't because yeah. we're ignoring the other half that we need to actually fully explore ourselves, yeah. right? So, because and you become complacent. We become stunted. We, yeah. we literally stunt ourselves with our value judgments of what's good and what's evil mm. because we avoid the necessary part of ourselves that we need in order to actually become more of ourselves. So, that's why for him, a society that's got these inverted values which which hold up as a pinnacle these virtues of what is good actually on the whole have the effect not of making us better but of stunting us and mm-hmm. making us mediocre so that's why he said a democratic egalitarian society based on those types of values actually is a very mediocre society 
and he hated he hated the socialists for it the anarchists the democrats all those types he was a more aristocratic leaning person because he had the the view that what was noble and what was strong is something that not everyone has and they're the ones that are kind of the leaders of themselves mm. so they're the ones that kind of lead the society type thing so sure. he was seen to be more inclined towards an aristocratic style of of governance mm. but um yeah it, it, and that's why he, he for him that's why we kind of live in a weakened society. We, we have a... Because we have mediocre values or we value what is mediocre about man yeah. inherently in the values themselves. But it's by the bringing... And I think you're right. I think there is a kind of coming back together. There is that sort of rising sentiment, I feel like, among the sort of esoteric crowd. But not all of them, though. No. Not no, everyone no, 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 who not believes everyone. in spirituality no. is actually still- someone who is preaching about coming back to oneness. No. They're oh, still- they, they think they are. They, they think, think they are, but they, they, are. Not. they, they don't grasp doing- the actual concept no, of what's happening. And this is what I've recently, recently discovered is that... Because I've been try- I've been really finding it difficult to find uh, spiritual leaders to actually follow. Um, I've I've been very careful these days to choose who I um, who I follow and who I listen to and who I take on, because a lot of a lot of people haven't had that awakening moment. And I know that that would be very insulting to some, but it's like you ha- when you have that aha moment in your life where you understand, and this is when the shadow comes in. This is when you like. I was going to say what 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 awakened me was my deepest and darkest shadow the thing that I was avoiding all my life up until 22 and it came and and it came to me at a point where I needed to make a decision and it nearly killed you that nearly killed me and I made a decision to embrace it and say I am now like a light came to me in the dark and I'm like okay I'm in this moment I am both light and dark, light and shadow. And I now need to make a decision and I chose to embrace them both and figure out and study my shadow for as long as I did. And doing that has actually made me more whole, more me. And that's where my muchness comes in. That's where our muchness comes in when we do that. And I feel like the, the, like when I'm following people or when I come across people, spiritual people, on uh you know they say love and light love and light and a lot of the people that i follow at the moment is really funny because they're like all those people that are preaching love and light don't aren't don't really know that that's causing more harm because yes you can love and you can come from a place of light and good and calm and compassion and forgiveness and all of that but if you're not holding each other accountable if you're not holding yourself accountable if you're not it's like that's that's not helpful because you then create mediocre you create safe and comfort and things that hold us and keep us in a bubble. And that's where we're at the moment. One of the, we, we love to be comfortable. We love to be safe. And one of the, one of the like Nietzsche's things with it is that with enemies, when it comes to dealing with those that you disagree with or whatever, the strong man respects his enemy. The mm-hmm. weak man hates them. Hates them, yeah. The strong man views his his enemy with, with a level of admiration because he sees in him admirable qualities, honorable qualities. Yeah. His enemy should be honored. The The weak person is someone who sees only evil in their enemy. Their, their enemy is a threat. There's nothing to, to admire about their enemy because, well, this is, you know, the weak person doesn't feel as though they're obviously equipped. They feel so, like, threatened by the presence of their enemy that it's like, ah, get away from me, like... Yeah. All that you know, whereas the strong man's like, yes, I'm a warrior. Let's battle and see who see who can sort yeah, of outstrike, outstrong each other. That's it. And you, you keep testing each other, and you test yourself, and you put yourself in the arena. 
you put yourself in there and it is it, it, the thing is it's the longer like I'm understanding it more now than I ever have because I've I don't know I, I've kept doing the work I've I have this will and this drive to understand myself that's my like that's been my sole focus for the last decade I need I want to understand myself and I want to follow that and doing that even though I had no idea who I was I still read the books and I still applied and doesn't mean to say that those that say love and light are evil or bad or anything they don't know it's just we're merely unconscious still but keep going keep moving it's not to say stop it no go move toward that but be you know like as long as you're moving toward consciousness moving toward consciousness and not away from unconsciousness but coming so conscious that you're like I have an unconscious (laughs) and I need to deal with that because it will come up and haunt you it will come up and not haunt you but it will it will haunt you but it also will come up and you have to not be ready for it to face it and you get stronger the long the more it kind of comes up it it it, it really does and like I've I'm only 31 I'm only that like and I'm I feel stronger than I was you know a year ago but Oh my god, I have so. I have it's like so you, you constantly. Like I think we were talking. We were talking about this yesterday in the podcast. Like you have to continually overcome yourself. You have yeah. to continually sort the of embrace journey. those moments of weakness. They have to embrace those moments of like anger, of those outbursts of rage. It's like that, that shadow part of you that's coming up and overwhelming you. You it's have to. You have to you reckon something. with it. Yeah, it's yeah. telling you something. Face it. This needs to come up. Understand what this is. Not merely hate it. Don't hate your anger. Don't hate your frustration. Don't hate that. Feel it and understand what. Seek to understand why you're feeling that. And this is what. This is why that's the thing that shadow. makes us suffer. What What brings us suffering is not evil. It's It's showing us. It's giving us something. Yeah. It's our that shadow side of ourselves that's trying to become integrated like reading Solzhenitsyn's um, Gulag Archipelago there's a there's a chapter in there I think it's called The Ascent and he basically talks about how the Gulag experience for him ultimately became like the source of like a spiritual transcendence it was like through mm. what his experience right, was yeah. it helped him actually become more spiritually whole more himself I guess through the pain and the suffering and it was it was incredible. I had to read that chapter numerous times. Like I literally read it, reread it, reread it because yeah. I'm like it was such a powerful chapter. Yeah, I think you read that to me. You read it I did. to me. Yeah, it was such a powerful chapter because it was like when you you think about you know because when you talk about you know the cause of suffering isn't something that should be avoided or just slandered as evil. You go, what about you know Nazi Jewish concentration camps and the Holocaust and you know all the evils out there that are committed, all the atrocities that are committed, and it's like, well, it, it, it's obviously complex. And I mean, I, I I'm not at all educated on any of these sort of ideas enough to be able to give any kind of definitive you know answer to it but it's like at least on a personal level at least on a personal level you can't avoid the thing that makes you suffer because avoiding your your own suffering is like avoiding that part of you that is trying to be reconciled that shadow side of you that is neat that is necessary to be reconciled necessary to meet with the light properly and become integrated as one within you so that you can actually move forward as a stronger, bigger person. Mm. On a societal level, I don't exactly know how that necessarily plays itself out. I don't know if that can play itself out necessarily in the political realm, at least not with our political structures that we have today, I don't think. Um, but it's it's a really interesting thing. There's so there's I find this stuff fascinating. Really you know, fascinating. I find the organization of society fascinating. Mm. I find you know the organization of of a human being fascinating. You've I think said, so, you've said that for a long time. I think psychology is fascinating. Mm. I think like human nature is fascinating. You know, and and then it's like 
how's the human how is the human being put together and then that being the case how is the society how is the group of human beings put together <laughs> you know I, that's why i find politics so interesting and uh, morality is interesting and yeah, economics i find interesting you know being the, the the way in which humans sort of transact yeah exchange uh, it's an exchange it's really I, th- I find all that stuff really fascinating and really relevant and i don't think we've found i don't think we've found the epitome of existence it's really it's really to me um reading nietzsche has been very eye-opening i think to point out the flaws in what we would deem to be progression yeah and for him, it's society's been it has regressed because of the the way that we've inverted the value system, the way we deem what is important, and the way we have uh, with morality, we have sort of inverted what we sh- what is the ultimate sort of human of human nature, and we've kind of pitted human nature against itself. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Like. I find this um, this time that we're in very interesting and I don't think it's by accident that this is happening because it was, I mean, prophets were talking about this and they predicted this. Many, many people, it was an easy prediction, it seems like, um, to a lot of people, a lot of thinkers and philosophers and scientists and um, spiritual people and <clears throat> it's it's fascinating. And now we're li- like we're, we've chosen to live in this in this and we've chosen to drop in <laughs> souls to live in this time for, for for it you know and it it is it's not easy it's not challenging but you know what it life isn't when in history would you have saying said that life was easy life is never easy because it's the constant um the battle you know that well, we think it's a battle between light and dark but it's it's the coming together. It's the battle. Making, it's the battle for like overcoming self. Over yeah. That's the and kind of struggle. And finding that oneness and coming back to oneness and wholeness. And you know, we always like to think that we're when we have a moment of oh my god, I feel the bliss or I feel the whole, and it feels really good. And it's like, is that good? Is has that have you? Is that just the light? Is that just the light that feels good? Um, or have you overcome that shadow? Have you in also integrated that shadow? Is it because of the shadow that the light has now shone, is now shining? Or is it the other way around? Do you focus on the light casting a darker shadow? Because now you've, you're now brighter and the shadow is behind you and it's, you don't see it anymore because you're bright, you know, it, it, it's fascinating. Like, oh, I'm I mean, just, it makes I sense. The, I mean, the higher you rise, the further there is to fall. Yeah, I mean the 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 more light you allow in, the the longer the shadow can become. Absolutely, and it's like it, it's something that it's going to catch up with you. Like, or the more intense the shadow, I should probably say, because you can cast a longer better. shadow by just changing the the angle yeah, yeah. at which the light's hitting the object. But I guess if you've got, but it's also your perception of it. You know, but a you dim can, dim light casts a dim shadow, but a strong light casts a strong, very 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 defined shadow. Yeah. So if you're always moving toward light, toward good, toward everything that is light. Then and getting brighter and brighter and brighter, then your, your shadow, shadow is getting, getting darker, darker and darker. And darker, and darker. Yeah. So and it's gonna it, it will come and it will and things will start to shock the hell out of you, literally. <laughs> it will shock. Yeah, very literally. literally. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it was really fascinating to listen to um to read that and the um that on Jesus because I haven't really fully, I've still been trying to find my way around. Um, my religious faith and like because I grew up with it so obviously it was necessary in some way like I've, I've chosen faith 
Um, but now it's for me to understand it. I'm now, I've got enough experience of myself that I can, and I mean, you help me too think, you're, you're helping me think in a different way, which I need because I, I, I don't have the capacity to uh, have the capacity, but I don't have that in me to, to think the way you think. And you're, you're influencing me in a really good right, good way. You're teaching me how to see things and, and not just to believe everything, but in like, how does this, does this fit for me? Does this, just checking in with yourself, you know, and where your beliefs are, where your values well, are. I, I think we really integrate well, right? Because I've needed you though and your perspective to help deepen mine. Mm. I really have. Because I, I just, to me, like I've sort of read a few things and I just come to think about it myself. It's like, all right, I occupy space. So I'm literally right now as I'm sitting right here, I'm occupying a space. The couch that I'm sitting on is also occupying a space. You're occupying a space over there, you know, and then everything around us is occupying a space. The, the, like a physical space that we can touch and is giving us a sensory experience. Yeah. And um, so like everything, everything. So all at once simultaneously, there is the totality of, of space in which part of it is occupied right sure. right now. So it's like in that grand totality of things, I can't possibly comprehend all that is in space right now. And then you've got time and there could be other, there's probably other dimensions too that you're not, not even aware of, right? Mm. And it's like, there's other dimensions in which other beings might be inhabiting or operating in right now that I just can't perceive them because I don't, I don't live in a, in that higher dimension. Yeah, it's just really I, I, that's I, I don't I can't even fathom all that. <laughs> I, don't, I haven't gone into that type of physics or anything. Like that. Um, but you know, and the, the, yeah, exactly. There the, the, there is time, right? So I'm currently moving through a certain time as well right now, and my time is finite, just like my space is finite. But all that is, all time and all space that is all happening simultaneously to me, that is the that is my idea of God. And that is something that I can't possibly comprehend because I'm finite. And for all I know, which I, another thing for me is that which I don't know might as well also be infinite because you don't know the extent of what you don't know. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I being finite, I am operating by the grace of something significantly larger that is that is also operating right now and enabling the operation of everything else. And of it you, is by that that I also couch, am able to operate. Exactly. Then, yeah. So that's kind of my view of God. And so that to me, and then when I, when I think about what's true and what's like what reality is, it's the same. My kind of concept of conception of God is very similar to my conception of reality. Reality itself being that grand totality of all that is right now through time and space. And so... That being the case, I think, um, you know, what is true being what is in accordance with reality because I'm so, I'm finite and reality is, I'm with, I'm existing by the grace of infinite, infinite of reality or of God. I can't actually, I, I am in no way, my perspective can absolutely, can grasp as a human truth, as a human, as a finite human. I can't grasp what is true. How can I grasp what is true when I'm too small? When the grand truth of what actually is of reality itself is 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 far beyond my ability to perceive the totality of. So my, to me, I'm like truth. I can't determine what is true. I don't think humanity can determine what is true. It's too small. And so I think when it comes to morality, it's I view too small or too big. I view morality. As in humans are too humans too are too small. small. So, yeah, sure. yeah, morality itself being like I I've, I viewed that as action. Like it's, it's, it requires that an active element morality. It's a thing you act. It's not something that you just, ah, I don't, I don't think morality itself is a passive, a passive idea. I, I view morality as action that's in accordance with truth. So it's, so then to me, I'm like, all right, well, that being the case, I've just said that truth is, 
basically independent of human perception that human being can't possibly comprehend truth and well then if action in accordance with truth is moral action then we also can't determine what is actually moral action how do we get to know what's good and bad mm. what the right thing to do and what the wrong thing to do because morality being active it means motion right so morality has a time-based element to it so through time and we've noticed this right through time what seems to be horrible a really terrible nasty evil experience that we've had in the meantime over time we get to reflect upon and go that was one of the turning points of my life that i've experienced this numerous times time and time again what feels horrible in the moment turns out to be one of the greatest things that ever happened to you i'm great i'm the most grateful for my depression in that moment so because morality has this time-based element too because it is action yeah we don't, when we, we can't comprehend the totality of time, we can't comprehend true morality. We can't comprehend truth. So it's like morality and truth as concepts are kind of like something that we actually can't approach as humanity. And I think we've done the best we can to try and interpret morality and truth into things. But at best, they're speculations. We've speculated on truth and morality. We're speculating as to these things, but they're just most of the time tricks of the language. And that's why I'm resonating so much with Nietzsche because he puts good and evil as artificial constructs that humanity of that the weak or that maybe humanity different elements of different echelons of humanity is projected onto society and it's like i'm like yeah okay i resonate with that because i don't think it's possible i don't know what's true this is this is sort of what's come to make sense to me sure. and so this is where i've needed you to come in then i was with gonna your, ask how, how, do, <laughs> how do you come into it what part do i play <laughs> well okay well then the, the, the question is well okay if i don't know what the right way to act is if i don't know how to act or where to act then how am i supposed to what am i how do i what do i do and well to me then that's where intuition comes in mm. that's where the spiritual element comes in that's what happened to jung yeah, and that's that's where it's that connection because you we all have because we exist by God. We, I think we 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 are animated by God. Mm. It is it is by that thing, by the all that is that we are enabled action and to move and to actually be a, a, an animate being, an animated being. Mm. And so we all have that connection to all that is always, but it's not through our senses. It's not through our finite senses. It's through something significantly deeper and greater than that. And I think, and that's what I would sort of deem to be our soul. Our soul being the element of the divine that's within us, that spark within us that animates us. And it's through that that we're connected to all that is. And that is where the voice of our intuition comes in. That's where I've known to learn. uh, That's where I've learned to know God through, especially through theta, theta healing. When you literally transcend your body and you connect to all that is and you become all that is a part of all of that all that is and will be and has been and that connection feeling that feeling that place of wholeness that to me was is god and that's probably how i've come to know it through that through that like it was i don't even know it's like beyond intuition it's like yeah but that spark that was my connection when i connected because you you leave your body with your soul, you, you, you're like with your little, with your soul and you leave your physical body and you move out of your body, you move out of the, out of the home that you're living in, out of the city, out of the country, out of the planet and past the, past the universe through layers of, through these things called the seven planes to all that is. 
and you connect to everything. You actually leave everything that's that makes up this physical reality, the laws of the universe, our, the spirits, the angels, the, gu- the guardians, the ascended masters, all of that, and all the laws of the universe, law of magnetism, law of gravity, m- m- um, law of time. And you go beyond that, through that, into all that is. And it just is. Everything just is. And you heal in that place. And you, you're, you, you're there in that place. And you can, everything in that place. That to me is the heart, the closest that I have physically, I've experienced, my soul has experienced, like home. That connectedness to everything, that wholeness, of oneness. And I think I've needed that. I've needed your experience and your perspective to help to kind of answer those types of questions of like, well, what do I do? Mm. If I don't know what's real, if I don't know what's true, if, if I can't determine that, because that's been another another part of my disgust with the modern age is this subjectivity of truth. It's ludicrous to me. I hate the concept of my truth. I can't stand it. Mm. I think it's the stupidest thing because you don't get to determine what is real. You are, We are so arrogant to think <laughs> that we can determine what is real. Mm. That's why for me, it's so imperative that we have a belief in a higher power, that we believe in something bigger than ourselves because it keeps us humble to that. You know, if you get to believe that you can determine what is true, then what? You just... Then, then your your whim is 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 what's all of a sudden material reality materializes around you. I just I don't believe that. I just don't believe that. I think that that's that puts us on a level with God, yeah, or with up, the or gods, above. Yeah. or or even yeah. And I I think that that's horrible because I think that especially when you're not operating in that unified sort of consciousness where you're integrating yourself and you're working on yourself so that you, your will can actually be better aligned with something significantly more divine then you, you're operating, I feel like, from a, from a weaker perspective, from a more mediocrity, which is probably something that's more so coming from a place of negativity, of, like Nietzsche says, of resentment, of vengefulness. And then that materializes itself as basically you get getting to determine or you're projecting your resentment onto the world around you and you perceive all these wrongs and all these woes and all these things to hate. And you just see hate everywhere. And when, you're, when you've projected your reality as hate, how the fuck do you get out of that? You can't get out of that if you don't believe in something bigger than yourself. You, you know, if you don't believe in some transcendent, you know, principle, which is trying to, which, which is which like... Gives you hope. Yeah, which, which is trying to help you aid your unification, mm. which lifts you out of the mediocrity. I think it becomes very dangerous on a societal level and you start to see the disintegration. And while I can't see that happening all around me anywhere at all, <laughs> that, that's sort of how I'm sort of ma- I'm making sense of things. Yeah. You know, I'm like, but by the same token, I don't know that we can say, talk about reality as objective. I don't perhaps know enough about these, these topics to be able to, or these. We've just sentences. begun this like, journey though. We've just begun. Because it's like, to this me. This is just what we know up until we, we, we can't, I don't think we can necessarily determine objective reality either because we are finite. Yeah. You know, we don't get to determine reality in a subjective sense. Mm. I don't think. I don't think we get to determine, determine reality in an objective sense either. I think it's so much broader than all that. It's bigger than those two. It transcends. Yes, there's a subject and an object, but as to like what those are, the reality of those things, I don't think we can actually determine them. I think that it's too much bigger than, than us. Life is just so magic, isn't it? It's very interesting. And that, yeah, so it's like I need you to kind of bring me here back to earth because <laughs> I'm so in the spirit realm and you're so here in the Lord. And it, we, that's, I think that's what we complement each other well because, and that's why we can work together because we need aspects of each other. And it's, 
and we utilize them in the highest and best way. Like I, I, I like that you challenge me um, from time to time and I get angry and I get like, I actually enjoy that frustration kind of <laughs> not in the moment, but I enjoy it because it challenges me to expand and break through the conditions. But you challenge me too. Like your astrology and your, your more potent spirituality than mine, yeah. that challenges me as well because I don't want to, I don't want to, um, believe in magic. <laughs> I, but I, I don't want to discard it. I don't want to call it ludicrous because I don't think it's ludicrous. Yeah. I have to. I'm trying to figure out how to reconcile that stuff because I think there is a, a serious importance to it. There is a there is a, a definite importance. I think between spirituality or spiritualism and materialism, mm. I think that there is an it interplay between. Be. I, I don't well, think Jung, that the world Jung is one or like, the other necessarily. Well, that's what happened to Jung. He's just like. I, like I loved his. <laughs> I loved in the book the constant jabs that they were making about empiricism. Yeah. About modern he, science. He was literally, yeah. That's so funny. It's pretty good. Um, but he was like, I'm having these experiences. I know he's got like two versions of himself. One of them is like here empirical and, that, and the other one's spiritual. And he, he knew that from a very, I think, early age, I'm pretty sure. And he knew that there was these two parts of him. But and as he got older, he started to experience more. Like he first, he was in the first personality uh, or persona, I think he calls them. Um he was in that first version of himself, like in the empirical and that went Freud and that kind of thing. And then the other part of him started to come up and the second part of him, that's just like duality. It's funny that it's these two different personas yeah. or personalities yeah. that I'm not like saying it in his, um, uh, in, in his uh, description of persona. It's just like, just, just saying he's, he's like, there's two parts of me and he knew that. But he learnt more of this more spiritual stuff came in later and started to like it was always there. He knew it, but he didn't know why. And then he had this new death experience. And then all of a sudden, all this symbolism came through, this spiritual symbolism of everything. And then he was talking about the age of Pisces when it began with Jesus. And it's no accident that because he goes, no one even was aware that the the symbol of fish was like everywhere in Christ's life. Like he was a fisherman who, uh, he was the, yeah, fisherman. And then he led, uh, like he um, multiplied fish and like all of this symbolism around it. Like he goes, it wasn't an accident. And the fact that the Pisces is two fish and he goes like, it is just, it's it, like you say, it, it's not nothing because it, it's too accurate. It's beyond, it's like it's beyond, beyond empirical reality. Yeah. It's beyond like just pure and he had objectivity. No choice. He had no choice but to embrace that spiritual side and that like he had to explore that. And I think that's what separates him from, from Freud. Or has to, yeah. It's fascinating. It is fascinating, and I think one of the one of the pitfalls of, of empiricism or, or science itself is that it, because it can't make value judgments, mm-hmm. like it can't it can't reconcile or comprehend those the the, the idea of quality. Mm-hmm. Zen and the Art of Motor Cycle Maintenance was a really good book as well. Um, nice it talked about it, quality. It talked uh, it was the the main sort of thing about what is quality and all that sort of stuff. But science cannot determine values like what is what is good or what is what is valuable, what is to be desired, or any of that sort of stuff. It can give you very quantitative analysis or a quantitative understanding of things. But when it comes to symbolism and meaning and and those things that actually color bring color into life, yeah. science just cannot do. And it's it, like you and can- it, to be honest, it makes it easier and it makes life more fun. When you're always, when you're like, okay, what does this mean? Where am I at? 
why am I, what's this lesson right now and and really just find it like when you're when you're doing that constantly it really does like life really does become a playground and of course you're going to get uncomfortable and we got uncomfortable the other night and things happen you fall and you descend but you descend into your shadow because it's necessary for you to understand why you're here to transcend it to bring light to it cuz it's like absolutely and the purely scientific empirical approach i think is probably something that 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 it doesn't it doesn't provide a quality of life it doesn't give you a a quality it helps you to it helps you perhaps to harness certain elements of nature certain elements yeah doesn't help you to harness nature i think i think there's more to nature than what science itself can actually quantify I think there'll always be things that are beyond the scope of science. But if we only lend ourselves to science, just like we only lend ourselves towards the light element or the, what we deem to be virtuous uh, characteristics, then I think we're, we're stunting ourselves. Mm. And I think that this, this pure faith that we've, we've got this sec, you know, secular religious faith in science in this day and age in the West that I feel like is actually stunting uh, our, growth. Our, our growth as a culture because it's ignoring quality the, the qualities of of what makes life enjoyable and meaningful mm. i i think sure. so i'm not, I'm not saying that's absolutely true i don't know i could no, be completely talking out of mass here what do i know well i think everyone's trying to figure out this what's happening at the moment yeah. in their own way and this is just our way like i you know i'm I'd love to. Well, this is this is a lot of what's definitely. This is a lot of what's helping us to continue to move forward through this stuff. This is why we embrace uncertainty because it's in that uncertainty, it's in that space, in that potential that you know things are. We allow things to come and allow things to happen. You know, I think if we truly, purely, you know, believe ourselves to determine our reality, well, then what happens when we're in that horrible, hot, depressed mess when we can't see freaking which way's up? I have noticed that when I do get in those moments, it's easier to get out of it because I've been practicing it. Like yes. When yep. you practice it it, it, it like the other day got easier. Like I could have thrown it because there was a part of me that was like when you were coming down, when you were when I was bringing you down or when you just I was already me, down. You didn't bring me down. down. I didn't know. But it seemed like what it seemed like to me, I was like, I just want a moment to because I haven't like had that kind of feeling before it, it was a shock to me that i was feeling that that i was like there was a part of me that was like feeling like wanting to be selfish in wanting that for myself and not wanting you know i'm like can you just like no don't don't come down with me i just need you to hold space for me and i need you to like just just hold me hold me hold me but it, we both had to go down together and i was like okay well how like I and I was really working on not staying in that space but I'm trying to understand it I'm like okay if we're both here what is necessary what do we need to do right now how do we transcend this how do we understand what's going on because this was this was gonna happen whether we liked it or not like this was going to happen we were gonna fall because we do fall because it's just a natural part of our process we fall and we get back up again. We fall and get back up again. We fall and get back up again. And I th- but I think that determination or that persistency requires uh, an element of of you know I, I wouldn't even call it a rationality. You need a perspective, a quality, a perspective shift. Mm. You know, you need in that moment because you could completely succumb to raw the raw objectivity of the situation and going this just like being able to list off all the things that aren't happening for you and quit yep. right. But it, you need to be able to kind of turn the, 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 
the brute the brute vulgarity of your situation into something that's more appealing and more attractive so that you can actually continue to operate or function uh, better in it. And I think what that what ours is is the determination of our outcome that we want with our goal that we're achieving, our drive to achieve something that we know we know where where we're moving to. But, but we this know is where our value and uncertainty comes in, though. Yeah, for me, that's well. where that's where the uncertainty I'm, comes in. I'm just in. saying, we, our determination, our will to to be better, our will to actually have it. Like our goal is to create, like you know, you know, we have personal goals. We have them, and that's the the drive is strong enough. For us to get up, you know, fall off your horse. What is it? Seven times and get up eight, or whatever. Is that the is that the line? I'm not sure. Fall down seven times and you get up eight. Sure. Because so, it's just you you get up more times and you fall. Yeah. That's how you achieve anything. It's what. Well, that's it. Well, you just again, I just think the, it's like it's just an overcoming. It's a constant yeah. like integration and reckoning, a self reckoning and a self integration yeah. and a self overcoming. So that you're constantly sort of going, ascending your own staircase in a sense towards that unification. And I don't know if you ever reach that unification, but the point is to to, to strive for it, yeah. to continue going for see it and then actually seeing how far you go. See how far how you high go, can yeah. you get? You know, yeah. how much more can you see the higher up you are? How Yeah, how closer to your soul can you get? You know, and, how more of your soul can you be today than... Yeah. And I think that requires that. I think that requires a level of a belief in the uncertainty. Because yeah. if you don't, if you only allow yourself to operate from certainty or from from your own knowledge or understanding, you don't, grow. or from you know the your own society society's empirical, you know scientific understanding of the world. Well, then you're you're not giving yourself the space to be able to move beyond where you are. In order to move beyond where you are, I feel as though you need to have a belief. You need to value, in some to some extent, uncertainty. You need to value that that space and potential where you don't know what the outcome of it's going to be. But also, like if you're if you're trying to achieve something, something that you haven't achieved before, you have like that's something that's uncertain. Like you don't know what that feels like. You're just something you want. You've never experienced it before, so you got to well, go. It's terrifying. It's yeah. terrifying. But you also have to. You have to understand that the process to get there is to go through things that are uncertain that you haven't experienced before, and that is the uncertainty. So it's like we haven't experienced this before. We haven't we haven't got we haven't achieved the goal that we want to achieve. So along like it's not going to be a, a a path that we know. We we can theoretically know it, but to physically experience it has been very different. We knew that this was going to be difficult. We knew that this was going to be a lonely path. We knew all of this. But experiencing it is something totally different. And that's what you have to be. You have to be open to new feelings, new growth, new, like d- different. And also the meaning and the necessity of everything that's yeah, part of that experience. As well. Because that's it. That's the everything you, you have everything you need. Everything that is a part of your experience is ne- necessary for your experience. And if your experience is the process... Is, is part of the process towards achieving the thing that you're striving for, well, then everything is meaningful within that experience. Mm. And that's that's a lot of this is sort of how I've come to view um, the world and my reality at this point in time. And it, it and it's what's continuing to, to spur us, to spur me onwards. Yeah. And that's um, me too. And, and it is terrifying because you know what? What if I'm wrong? What if we're wrong? And you know what if we're open to uncertainty? That's it. (laughs) We might be entirely wrong with this. This might all fall flat. This might not work at all. 
you know. But, but hey, we, we've got to continue to just keep going. Th- things are happening. Some, yeah. You know, we've got to see it through. Yeah. You know, we can't just give it up because we're not, we're not, a ch- I don't know what the process looks like. So I don't know what success looks like. I don't know if it's working or not. I don't know what it looks like. <laughs> you know, my, my hope. We hope that it's working. We hope that it's working, right? And we're, trying, like, we're trying to capture this yeah. so that if one day we get to turn around and go, oh, fuck, something worked. Something well, then added. we've captured the process of that. Yeah. You know, that's, I'm, I'm, this is, it's, this, this podcast is a huge part of all that. It's, mm-hmm. a, it is kind of like a, it's, it's a, it's a log. It's yeah. a log of that sort of journey. So, like, it's really um, – oh, there's so much and there's so much more. You could talk for hours on this sort of stuff. Yeah. Go on for an hour and ten. So, I think we'll wrap it up. go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just so interesting. It's so yeah. fascinating. I, I wasn't expecting to go really into the philosophical weeds today, but that was fun. It was fun. And it's good because we have a day off tomorrow to be yeah. able to um, recuperate. That's from From what? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a day that we don't record. Yeah, it's just we a day. It's our, our Monday off. Uh, so, yeah, anyway. Okay. Um, oh, uh, before we uh, go. Yes. Uh, com and yuja.gray, gray with an A, on Instagram. And our email address is itppc at com. They are in the description. So, I love you. I love you. Thank you for this discussion. Bless you. Bless you. And bless and you, bless you listener. Yeah. And uh, let's let's get up and let's have a let's have a fantastic day. Sun's shining. Let's see what happens. It's it's overcast. Shh.